It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our weekly preview on the Giants huddle podcast. The Giants and Panthers coming away from MetLife Stadium on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Big show coming to you today. Bob Papa with head coach Joe Judge, Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino with Panthers play-by-play man Mick Mixon, and I'm going to talk to one of the Giants defensive captains, Logan Ryan, and I'll give you a little personal analysis, a little bonus content at the end of the podcast. Stay tuned for that in the final few minutes. But first, a reminder, the Giants Little Podcast is on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and on all your favorite podcast platforms, find us, subscribe, and word of mouth is the best way to grow these things, folks. If you know Giant fans that might enjoy it, tell them about it and make them a part of our family here on the Giants Podcast Network. All right, let's get to it. We're going to lead off with my interview with Giants defensive captain Logan Ryan. And now we're joined by Giants safety Logan Ryan. Logan, let's start with the basics first before we dip into some of this you know, hardcore football stuff. What's the mood of the team this week? You know, coming off a couple of tough losses, what's the locker room been like, you know, trying to get ready for this game that you guys really want to win against uh, the Panthers? Yeah, the mood the mood has been, um, I would say, whatever it takes, man. That's been my messaging. Um, you know, well done is better than perfectly tried. And at the end of the day, you got to go out there and get the job done. So it's pretty simple. Um, football is a safe haven for a lot of people, and it needs to be for us. It's a safe place. And yeah, we're going to go out there and uh, find ways to get it done. And that just comes back down a lot on primal instincts of scratch, claw, whatever, mano y mano. And I look forward to that, man. I, I thrive in some of that uh, that aggressiveness. So it's good for me. Yeah, I was interested in the way you answered a question from the media this week. And you said, you know, this week I'm not so much concerned with, you know, trying to make the right speech and, you know, trying to motivate the guys the right way. I'm focused on doing my job, right? That yeah. was the, the, the statement you made. Why did you decide to take that tack this week? Why was that important to you? You know, people ask me earlier in the year, does the captain change anything to you? Does acting different? I said, nah, you know, it's the same. But I, I always said it's, it's a big responsibility. It's a great responsibility to have. I mean, responsibility is a good thing. If, you, if, if you're given responsibility, that means people trust you to handle it. And obviously things haven't always gone as I, I envisioned or wanted or what I worked for or whatever hasn't gone that way. And I put a lot of that on me. And I put it on me to motivate the guys more. I put it on me to pick everyone up. I put it on me to make every play. I put it on me to put a lot of pressure on myself to go out there and get it done. But the way I got that uh, position of a captain, the way I got the respect in this league is to be a hard-nosed, relentless player who was never perfect, played multiple positions, but very smart and not afraid to take any challenge and not afraid to get after it. And uh, you do that enough. You put your face in the fan enough. It actually turns out your way when you, when you're, when you walk past the fear or anything like that. So, I wanted to get back to, like, you know what? What this team needs, this team needs a dominant Logan Ryan. This team needs a dominant safety. This team needs a guy who's going to go out there and get his job and lead it that way. So if you really look at a grand perspective, I'm obviously a lot more, and I want to be a lot more than just a safety um, for this organization. But this organization pays me to be a great safety first and foremost. So I wanted to focus on that and go out and have a great week of practice, establish it every single play, and let that play kind of pick the guys up instead of try to, personally motivate everyone because it can take your energy away um, from yourself sometimes. Well, let's talk about the football part of this then. When you've looked at the tape the last couple of weeks, when you see some of the breakdowns that have led to some of these explosive plays, things like that, is it a matter of guys 
maybe trying to do too much, not just doing their job? Is it, you know, guys having the opportunity to make the play, maybe not being in the right spot? Is there a common thread here, or is really every play its own individual story that you can't really put it all together? Yeah, I think every play is its own individual story. Um, I think what, what you are alluding to and what we've a lot been alluding to is guys trying to fix the problems. Like, okay, um, let me simplify it. Um, let me just simplify it, but I'm actually not playing what I'm seeing. I'm playing what I'm supposed to do, not just reacting to what's in front of me. Right. Or I'm reacting what I'm, I'm guessing based on my preparation. It's not actually what they're doing or whatever it might be. You're trying to fix the problem, fix the problem, fix the problem, and 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 mold yourself to to be what the team needs. But honestly, I think you can overthink it. I honestly think you can overthink it, and I think you focus so much on fixing problems, more problems a lot, uh, you know, arise. And I think you got to go out there and attack. And I think you got to go out there and be the solution instead of trying to fix every single patch, every problem. I think you're chasing the problems. You know, I've heard a couple of players mention simplifying things. Patrick Graham talked about that a couple weeks ago when he talked to the media as well. When you say simplify, I think people take that different ways as a player. What does it mean when you're talking about trying to simplify what you're doing on defense so guys can play faster? Right. I think. Um... There's a different philosophy. There's kind of different philosophies of playing playing defense. I mean, at the end of the day, defense you got to stop the people from doing what they want to of do. Of course, right. I mean, I think you have some schemes that are simple, and you want to say, "Hey, we're going to put our guys. We're no no disguise, no tricks. We're going to get really good, and each of these guys are going to get really good at what they do, and they have few jobs a game, and they're going to get really good at it." The offense knows what you're doing, but you're so good at it, it doesn't that matter. you can adjust. Right. And I think you have teams that are going to run a lot of different exotics and a lot of different things at you, so the offense really can't get a good footing of what you're in and what you do. And I think that's who I think that's who we were and are. And sometimes we've been self-messing that up a little bit. So we're saying, okay, let's simplify and let's get good at one thing. But I don't really think that's who we are. I think we are a team that has smart players. I think we are a team that has versatile players. And it'll be an injustice to change ourselves and our, and our personnel just in fear of making mistakes. So what I think simplifying is and needs to be and what it will be going forward is, one, doing what we do effectively. It could be multiple things, but it's things that we're good at. Do the things that we do well and that we know well. And, two, take away what the offense wants to do, period. Any good team, any championship team I ever played on, if their offense wants to run the ball, you're able to stop the run. If their offense has a go-to guy, you're able to take that guy at the game. And if you lose, if a guy does make a fadeaway jump shot, it's to his weak hand, and he makes a good shot. If a guy makes a good catch, it's with his offhand, he makes a good catch. If the quarterback makes a good throw, he's rolling to his left, and he makes a good throw. But you don't let him roll to his right. You don't let him run the routes that they're good at. You don't let him throw to the guys they want to throw to. And you don't let him run the ball when they want to run the ball. And a defense that can make guys play left-handed is how you got to play defense. And I think that's as simple as you need to make it. Take away what they do well. You know, it's funny, your answer, I was going to follow up, and but you basically answered the follow-up with your answer because I thought last year, and we talked about this when we spoke in the offseason, what made you guys so good is your ability to disguise. You would make the quarterback hold the ball an extra beat or two, give your defensive line a chance to get home because he's not sure what he's looking at. I remember the Seattle game last year, Russell Wilson didn't know what he was looking at. He was holding the ball, and it gave your guys a chance to get home. Is it a matter going back to the drawing board with some of the disguises, disguising in a different way because teams have caught on? Is it just simple execution on your part? How do you get back to making that an effective part of what you're trying to do on defense? Yeah, I think uh, you got to keep working at it. You keep repping at it. And it took weeks to get to that point. And you're not, you know, you're, you're dealing with some new players and new positions, sure. um, rotating, whatever, maybe some injuries at key positions. And you're trying to get 
the guys that do their job, but also disguise before you do your job. So it does take some nuance. It does take some experience. It can get frustrating at times. You got to stick with it. But it all comes down to being able to stop the run. Um, if you have to put that extra safety in the box in order to stop the run, your disguise come and comes out of there. So we got to be able to stop the run consistently, and that's a team effort. The team has, that's not a that's not a, oh the corners don't tackle or the safety that's he's not a run. No, on, on this defense, on a good defense, you got to be able to stop the run. All committed to it. Once you have the run in check, then the disguises, the exotics, the blitz, the pressures, the interceptions, they come. But just like Little League football, man, you go out there and you're going to toss left, toss right, and see if they can stop it. So we got to go out there and stop it and uh, make the offenses play left-handed a little bit. Yeah, Logan, you're, you, took, you took away my follow-up again because I was going to say, if you keep those, if you can stop the run with two safeties deep, then that opens up the whole playbook for you, right? So that, that brings me back to something that I think has frustrated you guys based on what you've said to the media this, this year. There's been plays to make, right? You guys have had opportunities for interceptions. In the running game, you've had chances to make tackles for us, make tackles at the line of scrimmage. But it seems like it's always a different person. It's a different circumstance. But from game to game, guys are not making maybe not even the above the X's and O's plays, right? The plays that you think they should make when it's in front of them. How do you fix something like that? Because I can imagine from a player perspective, that's got to be one of the most frustrating things in the world. And you've done something a million times. You're like, yeah, this should be something I can do but you're just not able to execute it on the field as consistently as you would like this year. Yeah, um, you keep playing. You Honestly, you keep playing, man. Um, and and you, you keep going, and you get the, get the guy on the ground. And I had a coach tell me one time, listen, every play ends up in a tackle or a touchdown. So you got to decide. And That's a good every, way to look every, at it. Every time you get them down and tackle, they got to snap the ball again. You got to keep on going. If we were to panic, if the fan base were to panic, if we were to give up, if we were to lose faith, every missed tackle, every missed interception, I mean, that's not how the sport's played. The sport's played snap it again, snap it again, snap it again. And, uh, and then, you know, make them execute it again, and you'll make the next one. And that's really, that's really got to be your philosophy. Like, if you, if you gave up every time you missed a shot, and the year before you made those buzzer beaters, and this year not making it, you know, do you, do you lose faith in taking the shot? And I just don't think we can lose faith in taking a shot. I think we got to keep taking our shots and keep going, and when it turns – you're happy, you're happy you stuck through it. But you got to keep going, and you got to figure out the guys, you know, myself included, whoever it may be, can he make the plays? If you believe the guy can make the plays and the coach puts you out there, then you got to do your best to make it. If you don't make it, then you pick your teammate up and you tell him to make the next one. And that's just what a good team uh, needs to do. There's an impression out there, and I don't think I see it, but I want to ask you, that the safety roles this year have changed a little bit. You know, Zay, you kind of brought in late last year. He mixed him in, but now he's been here all year this year, and, you know, guys have been asked to do some different things, and there's been some adjustments. Do you feel like you guys have been asked to do different things based on, you know, the personnel and things of that nature, or has this been more of a continuation? How do you guys see it from the inside? I think more of a continuation. Like, we're asked to be versatile. I mean, they asked us to be versatile. I mean, we can't care who gets the blitz. We can't care who gets the cover, who plays the post. We all do it all. I mean, we honestly all do it all, and that's what we ask for. And uh, Xavier's an extremely versatile player. Pep's obviously one of the most versatile players to come in the National Football League for what he's able to do. And I've obviously been a versatile player in our career. So we got to use it as a strength. And obviously when the results don't go well and someone's versatile, I've heard it my whole career, oh, they're, they're not good at anything. You know, <laughs> well, he's not good at anything. And then when it's going well, it's like, man, he's good at everything. You know, and you just got you to gotta, you gotta keep, keep going and, and keep finding a way. And, um, and, and, and see it through. But, no, I think we're asked to do some of the same things. It's just that I think we have uh, multiple good players and we're not in traditional roles. But I don't think that football is traditional positions anymore. I think the game is changing. 
I think these quarterbacks can run. I think quarterbacks have more rushing yards than running backs sometimes. Sure. Sam Darnold might be their leading rusher right now. You know, so honestly, these players are, are more versatile than ever. And it's like that on defense, too. You know, these guys are not just the old traditional football. Football is changing. How important is it for you guys to figure out that inside corner position? You've been rotating a bunch of guys in and out based on game and situation. Is it important, you think, to, to try to find a guy that you can put in there a lot? Or do you think, based on the versatility of your defense and your players, it's a good thing that you can rotate different guys in there based on situation, formation, personnel, things of that nature? Having having a lot of guys play is not a bad thing. Um, you know, obviously, it's up to the coaches to say if they want one guy in there all day or, 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 sure. roll, or roll the thing. Like I said, all this could be our biggest strength. It could be our biggest weakness. It all depends how you view it. But uh, you can't lose sight of who you are. So I think we, we play a lot of DBs. And if you're ever banged up or injured, you have guys who have playing experience. Um, if you have one guy play all the time and he were to get banged up in that role, then you have nobody who's never played it before. Sure. So we can't. We, we do have the the luxury of having multiple guys play it, and it's really just based on what the coaches want to do that week, and we got to be ready to go. Let's talk about the opponent very quickly. What do you see when you watch the Panthers' offense on tape? What stands out to you? Um, I think that. They, they want to run the ball, and they're good when they run the ball. And uh, they have some complimentary pass catchers uh, with that. They have a speed guy who can take the top off. They have a DJ Moore who can kind of do a little bit of everything. And they have Sam Darnold whose legs come alive in the red area and make you account for him. So I think they have all the guys at the, at the pieces, um, and they make you uh, have to defend a little bit of everything. Logan, awesome. I always love talking football with you. You get in depth. I love it. Our listeners love it. Thanks so much. Best of luck on Sunday. Appreciate it. Go Giants. That's Giants defensive captain Logan Ryan. The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, now let's take a look at our opponent, the Carolina Panthers. Paul Dottino and Lance Meadow had a chance to talk to Panthers play-by-play voice Mick Mixon. The Giants play their second straight home game this week as they'll host the Carolina Panthers at MetLife Stadium to get more into what to expect from their upcoming opponent. We're now joined by the Panthers radio play-by-play announcer Mick Mixon. Mick, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here. Greatly appreciate the time today. How's everything on your end? Real good. I like your accents. Priming the pump here for me to and the gang to come up to uh, to New York, New Jersey, and see what see what time it is. But I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'll answer any questions that I can about these three and three kind of up and down Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I think up and down is a really good description. And let's start there because, as you just alluded to, the team starts off three and zero. Now has lost three straight. They've been without Christian McCaffrey for the last three plus, and in his absence, Mick, it seems the turnovers have increased. The defense isn't performing at the same level. So how much do you attribute that to the dynamics of the team changing without McCaffrey versus perhaps another notable factor? Yeah, that's a good question, Lance. I think it's probably a 50-50 ball right there. I think McCaffrey is so good without the football. That would be kind of where I'd want to begin that conversation. All NFL running backs can tote it. But McCaffrey is just not like other people when it comes to blitz pickup. He's so good in pass pro, and he's an unbelievable receiver, just an effortless catcher of the ball, and he understands defensive pursuit, the, the angles, the geometry. He just is fantastic at splitting defenders and getting extra yards. So that's that's the part that, that we miss most. And, and then just to be honest about it, this O-line for the Panthers has been a little leaky. Pressure up the middle has been problematic, so – 
you know, the, the Sam Darnold turnover numbers don't look great, but not all of that is his fault. Well, you don't make the Panthers and the Giants are similar in that they've got the franchise running back who just does everything as an offensive weapon, not just a runner. And Barkley and McCaffrey, both guys being out with injury, it just really throws your, your playbook into chaos. And, and I wonder how much has Hubbard been able to, I don't want to say replicate because you can't replicate it, but how much of, of McCaffrey's playbook has he been able to use to at least give them some type of semblance of their regular offense? Yeah, some, Paul. He's had to tweak it. Joe Brady, our, our offensive coordinator, kind of his Opie Taylor, you know, redheaded, young, just uh, future very bright for Joe Brady. He'll be a head coach one day soon, but very smart and a natural-born play caller, I would say. But uh, he's had to kind of figure some things out without McCaffrey, that chess piece on the board. We had the Rolling Stones here. A couple weeks ago, we had the Rolling Stones in, in Charlotte, and the city, the region was just off the chain. But I remember thinking, you take Mick Jagger. It's enough they played without Charlie Watts, but you take Mick Jagger off the stage. It's kind of like taking Christian McCaffrey Maybe you guys feel the same way about Barkley. It's kind of like taking your lead singer off the stage. You, yeah. you still can, yeah. you know, you still can play some songs, but it just doesn't have the same flair. No, it's like a bad cover band, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It can be. Well, Mick, speaking of injuries, I want to move to the receiving core. DJ Moore is having a solid campaign, but it seems as if the environment around him has changed. Terrence Marshall, Alex Erickson are in concussion protocol, so their status up in the air and. Robbie Anderson seemed to have the case of the dropsies in the last game against the Vikings. How much is there a concern about what's surrounding DJ Moore right now to provide additional weapons for Sam Darnold? Well, you guys being the major market talents that you are, uh, you know that NFL defensive coaches are very astute. And what worked for you week one, two, and three, maybe, you know, maybe teams come up with a plan for you moving forward the, the defensive coaches the way they study so I think what we're seeing now is teams are committing additional resources to DJ Moore so that should be that should open up things for Robbie Anderson for Terrace Marshall but then you got Marshall who's been hurt as you mentioned Robbie Anderson was just I mean it just looked like he he had never caught one like he'd never practiced like he just had won a contest to come out of the stands and get a uniform and play NFL receiver for moments during our last ball game against the Vikings but then he recovered and had a touchdown catch and I love the way Robbie didn't duck it he faced the music in the press conference midweek very honest with reporters and didn't throw anybody under any kind of motorized vehicle and then he practiced well um, I was at practice yesterday Robbie Anderson looked fantastic so I think the best is yet to be for the 11. Mick, I think the people in Carolina are finding out what the people in New York knew all along, that Sam Darnold is just one inconsistent guy. Uh, but the one thing that I have seen from looking at the game tape is that Sam Darnold's using his legs a whole lot more than he ever did with the Jets, and it really looks like that's part of the plan. Could you kind of give us an indication as to where that came from? Because he wasn't known as a real runner up here. Yeah, I think it goes a little bit to what, what Lance was alluding to earlier in that without McCaffrey, now what? Not that Darnold didn't run some with McCaffrey, but without McCaffrey, 
now what 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 other kind of weaponry do you try to to make use of and darnold does have the the, the juice he's not unathletic he can run and so the joe brady's used him with the quarterback dart uh the quarter the the run pass options where keeping it is an option for for sam darnold and then even a couple of quarterback sneaks Darnold has a couple of two. He has a two-yard and a three-yard quarterback sneak where he just plows forward and got the line to gain plus some. So I think it's I think as a limited uh, kind of a of an option for the Panthers to have Darnold run, I think it definitely helps. And the key for for Darnold will be do just like when he was in New York. Do not try to play hero football. You don't need to. You don't need to do it. Just, just be one of 11. Use the other guys around you. And if the, your first read is there, you're going through your checks, and your first read is there, get rid of the ball. There's nothing wrong with playing second down and four after a six-yard gain throwing the ball. We're talking with Mick Mixon, Panthers radio play-by-play announcer, as we get you set for the Giants hosting the Panthers this weekend. We've been focusing, Mick, so much on the loss of Christian McCaffrey. I don't want to overlook the fact that They've also been without Shaq Thompson on defense, and it's interesting because we've made the comparison between Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Well, the Giants lost their guy in the middle in Blake Martinez, and that seems to have really impacted the Giants' defense. I'm curious your perspective, the impact of the loss of Shaq Thompson, as well as I'll throw in J.C. Horn, their first-round pick, and how it's maybe created some issues over these last three games. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about things until you mentioned all that and reminded me that <laughs> uh, we're, we're without those those key pieces. J.C. Horn is a man. I mean, he he's listed as six two, two hundred eight pounds, but it's not normal. It, it's just sculpted in some kind of an art class, and he he's not scared. He's he's just an unbelievable corner, and so for him to be out is a is a big minus for the Panthers and all teams have injuries of course but then you take Shaq Thompson Shaq was playing the best football of his career I mean he was looking light and mean and agitated and mad at it and arms and legs and elbows and intercepting the ball breaking on passes some impact tackles stepping into the breach and just playing great football and so um, Matt Rule hates it when people make excuses or people bring up so if Matt Rule were, could hear me talking right now, he'd be mad at me if, if I sound like I'm making excuses for the Panthers, which I'm trying not to do. But to your question, uh, it, it, the Giants will face a team, a Panther team, that's um, pretty plucky, but not with, not with the, the, the players that the, the, the same team that started out of the gate 3-0 and had. Hassan Reddick was a big free agent signing that uh, came over during the offseason from Arizona. We remember, that is the folks who watch the Giants on a regular basis, how he had a five-sack game to set a Cardinals record against Big Blue. I'm sure that's been talked about in Carolina this week. What, what has Reddick shown you that makes you think he could possibly do something like that again? Reddick's been unbelievable, uh, Paul. He, he's this any-era football player if he were to Hassan Reddick walks into the room and you know it's not not like you're looking at Jason Pierre Paul or Julius Peppers or somebody it's uh, he just he looks pretty normal in terms of the way he's put together but then when he puts a uniform on he grows about a foot and adds about 25 pounds of pure muscle he the, 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 I guess how I would describe him playing is he plays 
with this effervescence, this joy. He just doesn't give up on any play, and he plays like a guy that just loves loves the game of football. So Reddick's been a, a clutch offseason pickup for the Carolina Panthers. Mick, speaking of acquisitions, they recently acquired Stephon Gilmore, former NFL Defensive Player of the Year for the Patriots. He now is eligible to come off of PUP this week. I believe they obviously have started his clock. What's the likelihood that he could get out there and perhaps the significant impact he can make immediately in that secondary? Well, I I talked to him Wednesday after practice and asked him that exact question, and I didn't get even though my sourcing on it is pretty good because I was talking to him himself, but I didn't get much of a feel for it. I think he, I think there's a chance the Panthers may have a package for him. I mean, I don't think he's not, he's not going to play 30 snaps, but I think the Panthers could have a package for him, and a lot will depend on how he, you know, how he looks today at, at practice and then how he looks tomorrow. I've got one more for you from the Giants' perspective. Sean Chandler was here for a couple of years. Uh, was a bit player at some points and at other points was just a special teams player. But, uh, you know, somehow he landed with the Panthers and seems to have resuscitated his career a little bit. What can you tell us about how he has progressed? Yeah, resuscitate, that's a good word. You can almost see the paddles going on his chest and boom, and then he, you know, he, he, he re kind of re, restarts it. Uh, he's... Uh, He's a little undersized, maybe, but makes up for it with a high football IQ. The coaches love him. They, they, uh, the coaches here really love his work ethic and, and how he studies and tries to be prepared. And we're looking forward to seeing. So this is a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a reunion because Dave Gettleman's a very classy gentleman, and I remember him very well and have good memories of, of Coach Gettleman. And then of course you got Graham Gano. James Bradbury up there so it'll be uh it'll be fun to see you guys absolutely and speaking of the connections earlier in the season you had Ryan Santoso because he was acquired by the Panthers from the Giants and before we wrap up here Mick I'm curious they have now Zane Gonzalez in the kicking game how much have things stabilized a bit on special teams after that was a bit of a question mark entering this season oh lord it was a hot mess for a while and we were looking at uh, we were going cruising the mall and looking you know just on looking <laughs> on the street for on social media can anybody kick and punt and hold and do all those things but it seems like it has stabilized somehow or another Zane Gonzalez it was almost like he got a new shaft in his driver and picked up 10 extra yards kickoff the distance on kickoffs seemed problematic for him his first game in a panther uniform but then he he tweaked his approach he's coming from about 12 yards deep now and uh, and banging it, and he's been a, a real fine. Sorry to see uh, Ryan Santoso look to me like a professional wrestler. You know, he had that mustache, looked like Abdullah the Butcher or somebody <laughs> kicking. It would have been a great story, but couldn't sustain it. So the guy we got now, Winslow, uh, punted for one game, but he did enough to impress the coaches, and now he's he's on the active roster. And Abdullah the Butcher, maybe a Cactus Jack reference as well. You never know what you're going to get out of Mick Mixon, the radio play-by-play announcer for the Carolina Panthers. Well, Mick, always good chatting with you. Greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we look forward to this weekend's game. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mick. Tell Papa I'm coming for him. I'm going to win my individual battle. Will do. We'll pass it on. You take care. Thanks again, Mick. See you guys. All right.
That's the voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon. Hey, Giant fans, don't miss out on return to Giants football. The 2021 season is now underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. We'll wrap up with Bob Papa talking to the head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge. This afternoon, the Giants taking on the Carolina Panthers in uh, Coach, you take a look at this Carolina defense, very active up front. You certainly saw Hassan Reddick last year with the Arizona Cardinals. What are some of the things when you study them that they do so well? They're fast. They run, they play fast, put a lot of urgency and effort. It's a C-ball, get-ball type of defense. The defensive line is very good. Talk about these penetrating defensive lines. See a number of them this year. They do a good job getting up the field, disrupting it, and those backers scrape over top, and they play extremely fast to the ball. You know, the secondary is very reactive in how they play. They can play man on third down, really press into you. They play a lot of zone and match zone. So on early downs, it's all about the penetration up front and the linebackers canceling the run. And on the back end, just sitting back there and waiting for you to throw the ball so they can jump on it and try and have an opportunity for a turnover. You know, last week late in the game, obviously the game was out of hand. Uh, you guys kept playing, though. Um, what are some of the things that you, you learned about your team, especially late in that game when you knew that you weren't going to win the game, but you were still testing your guys? We talk to our guys all the time about playing for 60 minutes, regardless of situation and scoreboard. And that's what showed up last week, that we're not going to go out there and roll it for anybody. We're going to keep fighting. And I told them, there's tape. We're going to see who's going to go out there and finish the game the way we need to. And, you know, going forward, that's what's going to be reflected on it based on who plays. But you really learn about yourself a lot more and your team a lot more through adversity and do through good times. And I'm learning a lot about these guys in terms of how they come back every week to practice, prepare, and go out there and play for one another. We have to do things better as far as execution on the field to have success. We got to make sure we clean up a number of things. But they're going out there and playing with the right urgency. We got to string it together, give ourselves a chance. But I'm excited to get them on the field tonight. All right. Uh, obviously, when you take a look at offensively, you know, having Ingram, Slayton, hopefully Sterling Shepard in this football game, obviously these are guys that can make difference making kind of plays. Is that something that has to happen more consistently? Well, I think that's true in any phase of football. Offense, defense, special teams, your guys have to go out there and they have to make plays. As coaches, we have to put them in position to do it, but it's a player's game. we got to go out there and take advantage of our opportunities and make plays. And Look, we're definitely looking to get those three incorporated. Those are guys that have been you know, key parts of this program for a few years now, did a lot of good things for us last year in this program. So they'll have the opportunity to go out there today and make some plays for us. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Obviously, just like you don't have Barkley, they don't have McCaffrey. Um, I know that Talk out of Charlotte has been that they want to pay attention more to the run game. You still got to study what they've done and what's the best way to attack. Can you just talk about schematically uh, what you expect out of the Panthers from them offensively? I think they always try to establish a run game. And there's you know no shortage of quotes this week from them out of there about the run game. That's going to be a focus of what they're going to do today. We're sure of that. However, guess what? They're still going to throw the ball. They're still going to have a screen game, misdirection, reverses. You know, Brady does a good job of mixing up the offense of what he's going to do. You've got to pay attention within the drives to the themes of the drive, and you kind of pay attention enough to how they do it schematically. You can tell he goes into each drive with a plan, whether that's tempo, misdirection, shots, heavy on the run game, whatever it may be. You've got to pay attention to how he's calling that drive, but you've got to play your keys in front of you. They're going to run the ball. The run's going to set up the boots for them and try and get Darnold a little bit with his legs on the outside. But ultimately, it's going to come down to playing good situational football. And if you can keep them behind the sticks on early downs, put them in a third down and longer, gives you a chance for success. If you let them move the ball through short you know, completions on early downs or running the ball, it's going to go ahead and put them at advantage on third and short situations or moving the sticks consistently. So we've got to do a good job of just executing. Everyone's got to do their job today. We've got to make sure that we communicate on the sidelines, give our players the right information, and let them go out there and play hard for 60 minutes. 
Coach, um, Sam Darnold, in 38 games with the Jets, he had five rushing touchdowns. He's got five already this year. Um, he's a better athlete than I think people give him credit for. Can you talk about sort of what he's done this year to make his legs part of his game? I think he's just taking what the defenses give to him. That's what I see. You know, he had some pass rushers run by him, and he sees a seam open in front of him. He pulls the ball down, and he runs, and he gets the first down, does a good job of running his space gaining what he can, getting down and sliding. That really puts a lot of pressure on the defense. You get guys come on up, force them to make the decision at the moment of truth, getting a slide. And there's been a couple design runs they've had for him as well. Now, he's a big, strong guy, and he's definitely a good athlete. You know, I don't know what somebody else's perspective of him is, but I know this guy can move. I mean, he's a good athlete right there, so you have to respect his legs. And he's looking to push the ball down the field with his arm. But if you give him room to run, he'll go ahead and he'll take it, and he'll take the profit and go ahead and play next play. Coach, um, Having worked with you now for a year and a half, I know you're pretty upfront. You're pretty honest in how you deal with your team. This week you came out with a comment about the overall state of things, and you put everything on your shoulders. Um, Why did you do that? In other words, internally I know you do, and when you're dealing with your team, it sent a great message. Uh, We talked about it on our serious NFL radio show, Coach Weiss and I, on Friday, and, and he gave you a big round of applause saying, that's what leaders do. Why did you feel this was the time where you did it? Look, I was just asked the question very simply, and they just asked me if I felt responsible for the team, and the answer is just absolutely yes. That's the reality. If I'm in charge of this team, then everything comes back to me. You have to have ownership in what your responsibility is. Every player has to have ownership in what they do. The position coach has to have ownership in their position group. The coordinator has to have ownership in their side of the ball, and I have ownership over the entire team. So, Look, I never point fingers, I point thumbs. I mean, he's coming back at me. You know, every game I self-evaluate very critically. You know, after the season, I self-evaluate very critically. We're always looking for better ways to do things. I don't. I tell the players all the time, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I guarantee when I give them information, I've done the research to give them what it is at hand. If I don't know something, I'm going to find out and make sure they have the answer before they have to go play. In terms of just go ahead and just taking responsibility for what you're doing, that's just something I've been taught growing up. That's something that to me is just a key part of, you know, being a part of a team. You know, you can't be a successful team at any level by looking to go ahead and push blame to somebody else. To me, it's always about asking, what more could I have done? As the head coach, every day I have to ask myself, how do we practice and prepare today? How did the meetings go? Did I put us in the best situation to have success? And that's my job, and that's what I have to do. Coach, we appreciate the time. Best of luck today. I appreciate it, guys. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him, Logan Ryan, and Mick Mixon for joining us on this episode of the Giants Little Podcast. Taking all the action of Giants football from your very own private suite. Suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite rep now by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, and before we say goodbye, I did not have a chance to host that Friday episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. So a couple nuggets from me in terms of previewing this game. Look, I think in the end, this is probably going to come down to a battle of the offensive lines. The Panthers' offensive line, except for... Their right tackle, Taylor Moten, they've struggled this year across across the board. And the Giants, if they can slow that running game down, get them into third and long, like Logan Ryan talked about, you can do some exotic things. You can send some blitzes. You can maybe force Sam Darnold into some turnovers. You can get some pressure with four guys maybe here or there. Um, I like the matchups on the inside with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. So I think the Giants, if they can win the battle up front defensively and get some pressure on Sam Darnold, I think that could go a real long way in this game. And frankly, I think it's just important for the Giants' offensive line. You know, we've talked about their injuries this year. They've had no uh, Nick Gates, no Shane Lemieux for most of the year. Now no Andrew Thomas for the next three weeks with him on injured reserve. So you have Matt Parrott, Nate Solder at tackle. Corey Cunningham will get some time in this game as well. You have the rotation at left guard, which you've had the last couple of weeks. So for me, 
the Giants' key to victory here on offense is protecting Daniel Jones. You know, I, I don't think you can just run the ball 40 times in this game and win it. You know, Brown, their big man in the middle, their seventh overall pick from two years ago, he's a good player. You know, Devontae Booker doesn't have that explosive play stuff that Saquon Barkley has necessarily. So I think you're eventually going to have to throw the ball, but can you protect Daniel Jones when you do? They're an extremely fast defense. They blitz a lot. They do a lot of clever stuff. You know, Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick are two fast, agile edge rushers that will challenge Nate Solder and Matt Parrott. Parrott will probably be at left tackle, Nate Solder at right. We saw what Reddick did to the Giants last year with five sacks in that game versus Andrew Thomas. I think Brian Burns is actually a better pure pass rusher than Hassan Reddick is. So the, can the Giants block those guys up? So I think whichever offensive line plays better, quite frankly, is probably going to be the team that wins this game. Thank you for being with us in the Giants Little Podcast. And again, the entire Giants Podcast Network, including Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show every weekday at 1230, can be found on the Giants app at Giants.com slash podcast. And the archive of all our programs is on, of course, every podcast platform. I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle.